Hello everyone and welcome to episode 11 of Added Time, a Games and Grab Studio podcast with me, your host, Steve Watkins. First off, a big thank you to everyone that took their time to listen to last week's podcast. I thought Westy did a great job of being the guest of last week's show. His enthusiasm and his passion and his knowledge for not only Arsenal but for just football in general really, really came across and... The feedback that we've had for the episode has been superb and I can't wait to get him back on the show. I'm sure he will be a returning guest, absolutely. So, like, and I can I can confirm as well that, that, like me, he is also a very, very happy boy after the weekend's football action. Let's start off with some news, though. Wolves parted with their manager Bruno Large over the weekend after their 2-0 defeat to West Ham. So after 16 months, Bruno Large is gone. It comes as no surprise to me really. I expected Wolves to be one of those teams that got rid of their manager at some point during the season. The bad run that he was on was went back into the back end of last season as well. So this isn't just a knee-jerk reaction of we're struggling, we're now in the bottom three. This has been going on for a few months. And the biggest problem that Wolves have and have had for a couple of seasons, even before uh, Bruno was in charge and uh, Nuno was there, was that they just struggled to score goals. And that is that is their, that is their biggest problem. Now, they were linked, as you can imagine, with a number of Portuguese managers. However... Following the uh, Sevilla losing last night, they parted company with Julian Lopetegu. And he is now the heavy, heavy odds-on favourite to be the new Wolves manager. An experienced manager, obviously he's won the Europa League with Sevilla, but they've not had a great start and they were they were beaten last night. So he is, he's parted company with them. And it'll be interesting to see what he can do in the Premier League, a a potentially different type of manager and can he get a tune out of these Wolves players because they've got some decent players but obviously Bruno had, had you know it, it was strange some of the things that he had done in terms of getting rid of Willy Bolly getting rid of Connor Cody and then you know changing the formation back to a back three because I think the the feeling was that Cody and, and Bolly couldn't play in a back two. Now Cody has gone to Everton and he's playing in a in a back two, back four should I say, um with Tarkowski and he's doing absolutely amazing. So yeah, very very strange decisions there. And then you end up in a situation where Ruben Neves, who's one of the most for me, one of the most technically gifted midfielders uh, in the Premier League. He's not the most technically gifted, you know. I'm, I'm, I don't say I wouldn't say he's world class, but he is a he's a talented player. He's a classy player, um, and he ends up having to play him centre back because he decides to go to a back three and then thinks, oh, I've actually I've sold two two defenders. So strange decisions there from Wolves and from the manager there, but he's no longer there. And Lopetegu looks like he's going to be coming in. So, talking of managers, following the defeat to Leicester on Monday, which I will talk about a little bit later on, 
Steve Cooper now under huge pressure as the Nottingham Forest manager. And within 20 minutes, half an hour of the final whistle, um, blowing at the King Power, on Monday night, uh, the Telegraph were reporting that Wolves had pretty much already lined up Rafa Benitez to take over. Now, given the history of the the chairman uh, at Forest, this doesn't surprise me one bit. I can't talk for Nottingham Forest fans in terms of, you know, in giving my opinion. You, you know my thoughts on the whole from the outside looking in. I prefer to read stuff and listen to what what those fans are saying of that club. And I was listening to TalkSport after the game on Monday uh, while stuck in traffic and the Forest fans were coming onto, onto, the, onto the radio and, you know, they'd just seen their team get beaten to local rivals, whether they want to admit that or not. Um, and, you know, there may have been a little bit of you know, knee-jerk reaction from the Nottingham Forest fans as well. But a lot of them were saying, look, thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for getting us promoted. But you're out your depth in the Premier League. There was also Forest fans, and these are the ones that I kind of agree with in, in terms of it feels to me like they perhaps got promoted a season too early. Remember this time, around this time last year, Cooper took over at Forest and they were bottom of the championship. Now, I imagine his job would have been to um, would would have been to make sure we don't get relegated, get us as high up the table as possible, and then maybe the season after we'll go we'll, we'll go and push for promotion. Uh, instead, they find themselves they they found themselves sorry getting all, almost automatically promoted, and uh, they did eventually go up through the playoffs and they find themselves in the Premier League. Now, there's, there's obviously they signed a hell of a lot of players. And when I say they, I don't necessarily mean Steve Cooper. And there is a feeling amongst a lot of people, Forest fans included, and, and I'm not giving an opinion either way, I'm just sort of stating what I've heard and what I've read, is that a lot of these signings were not Steve Cooper signings. And that does feel very obvious when you look at some of those players who, you know, they've barely played or some of them get bit parts here and there. And you just think to yourself, did he really buy these players? Now, the number of players that have been signed has come into question. The reality is, is that they had, Forrest had half a dozen players on loan. A number of players then left the club in the summer. So, Actually, they had they had you know a, a deficit of around 13, 14 players. Come come the end of the season because of contracts and um, you know various different things, players going back to their parent clubs. You can't just go into the Premier League and not try and replace those players. But there were some big players that went there. The goalkeeper obviously didn't renew his contract. Um. You know, James Garner, who they had on loan from Manchester United, he was a huge part of what they did last season. And then, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm slagging the guy off, but then you bring in a player like Jesse Lingard, who, and I said at the time, he signed a one-year deal, and the rumours are he's on, 
somewhere in the region of anywhere between 80 grand and 200 grand depending on who you want to believe now immediately it, set, it sets alarm bells ringing when a player is only willing to sign a one year deal but from a forest point of view it's look we'll sign this player and whether we're paying him 80, 90, 100 grand a week or 200 grand a week he's cost us nothing and at worst it comes to you know 30, you know 12 11 10, start again it comes to around 10 to 11 million pound in wages if he keeps you up absolutely fantastic if not see you later goodbye you know with the rest of your rest of your career sort of thing but from what i saw on monday they are clearly just a team they're a team of individuals now the game on monday was 19th versus 20th but actually what you saw from Leicester and I know that you know Leicester had the home advantage and all of that stuff but what you saw was a group of players that have played together you saw that you know in comparison to what you saw from Forest, which was just like I say a team of individuals so at the time of recording this, <clears throat> excuse me, Steve Cooper is still in a job. It seemed, I've, I've read today or heard today that Forrest have brought in a new sporting director, which I think is an interesting move. Is that because an incoming manager wants that? Uh, I also read today that Brendan Rodgers is still under pressure and actually Leicester would like Rafa Benitez. I'm not too sure about that, to be honest. I think Monday has given Brendan a lifeline and a positive result on Saturday will give him another lifeline and actually by then I would imagine that Nottingham Forest will have a vacancy in the managerial position so you know it would I think it would be my opinion it would be extremely harsh on Steve Cooper but you know I I'm I've been on that side or you know this season I've been on that side of the of the fence where you look at it and think thank you for everything you've done but we need to make a change here and I would imagine for Nottingham Forest fans they just they don't want this after 23 years they don't want this to be a one and done situation they want to stay in the Premier League they want to be around for you know for for a long time they want to be Premier League regulars again they don't want to go straight back down with a whimper after after one season so I expect a change will come at Nottingham Forest and there is as well um, talk that that Hassan Hootel is under massive pressure at Southampton. I mean, that guy, he, he's been beat 9-0 twice since he's been Southampton manager and survived it. They play Man City this weekend. Could we see another 9-0 and could we finally see the end of Ralph Hassan Hootel as Southampton manager? Who knows? So that's just my talk on. I've, I've gone into a bit of detail there, obviously, around... Uh, some of some of the games from the weekend, but let's run through the fixtures. 
Oh, dead leg. It's not not good. Right then. Arsenal 3, Tottenham 1. As I said, Mr. Westwood, a very, very happy boy. I thought Arsenal were fantastic. Really, really good from the off. They obviously, you know, Spurs, Spurs did get one back at one point and made it 1-1. And I think that shows you the difference between Arsenal this season and previous seasons in that I think the Arsenal, I dare say the Arsenal of old may have crumbled at that point. However, they went on to win 3-1 very convincingly. I thought Spurs were very, very poor. And by all accounts, I didn't watch it. They were also poor again last night in the Champions League. And I'm not saying that there is pressure on Conte, but there are Spurs fans that are unhappy with what they're seeing. So... There was all this talk, obviously, at the start of the season. Could Tottenham, with the manager they've got, with the players they've got, with the signings that they've made, could they be the ones to push Man City? I'm not seeing that so far. So, But credit to Arsenal, played really well. And they've got a big test this weekend. I'll cover that a little bit later on. Bournemouth nil, Brentford nil. Perhaps not a great deal to report on there. A draw, as I think, uh, I think I said a Bournemouth win on that one, but a, a draw, uh, a good result, I guess, for both teams. Um, Crystal Palace won, Chelsea two. So Chelsea had to come from behind uh, to uh, to get this one. A goal from Conor Gallagher. He came on and scored an absolute beaut. Obviously, he was on loan at Crystal Palace last season. The fans really liked him. By all accounts, he really enjoyed his time there. So it was it was written, wasn't it, that he would be the one to get the winning goal. So a first Premier League win there for Graham Potter, not Brian Potter. Um, but you know, Crystal Palace, they're still for me, they're still they're still a really good team. They're they're an enjoyable team to watch uh, under Patrick Vieira. Fulham won Newcastle four, so the, the the curse of playing London teams obviously didn't apply at the weekend. Fulham did go down to ten men after I think it was like five minutes. Uh, it was it was very very early on in the game, and Newcastle just just took advantage of that. Mitrovic also went off injured for Fulham, which isn't good news for them. Obviously, yeah. So Newcastle doing really well and find themselves very much in in the top half of the table. Liverpool 3, Brighton 3. So, Trossard getting a hat-trick there for Brighton. Uh, he He's a player I really, really like, really admire. I think he's I think he's a, a top a top talent. Um, and, you know, I, I think there will be there will be a few clubs looking at him, I would imagine. Uh, but again, Liverpool, Liverpool went behind again. You know, they're having to come back, come from behind to... To win, uh, to to you know, to to get a draw and three three at home to Brighton. I mean, they they've drawn a few games already this season, Liverpool. So, um, I mean, Trent Trent has come under again, come under a lot of stick. He scored the other night in the Champions League. He scored a free kick against Rangers, and uh, you know, you you heard the commentators say things like he silenced the critics, and. You know, I just thought to myself, nobody's doubting that the guy can hit a 
hit a sweet free kick or his crossing ability is that his crossing ability isn't nothing more than you know spectacular it's it's it's, it's great he's he's fantastic at that aspect of the game but his defending for me just is not good enough to to, to you know for him to be deemed as one of the best right backs in the world now there's time for him he's still very very young and that defensive side of the game he can still learn from me personally i, I would try and make him into an, a, a right winger a bit like what gareth bale did just go a little bit further up the pitch so look um it seems that Klopp is going to stick with Trent at right back and I guess you would really in in the grand scheme of things because going forward he is so creative but Liverpool aren't aren't you know aren't really pulling up trees in terms of their in the Premier League right now so Southampton won Everton to so again Southampton took the lead bit here that then Everton bang bang 2-1 Connor Cody getting a goal Dwight McNeil with the other so this is why I guess the pressure is now back on Ralph Hassan Hootel so um a good win for a good result for uh, for Everton they're they're slowly climbing that table uh, West Ham beat Wolves as I mentioned which saw Bruno Large get the sack uh, I thought West Ham were decent. Jared Bowen with with um, with a, a great goal uh, and Skamaka as well. Uh, it took a took a bit of a deflection, but hell of a goal. Really, really good. So uh, David Moyes will be pleased because there was you know they they've not quite started very well the season, but they've uh, they've picked up a bit now. On to Sunday. Wow. So we had. The Manchester Derby and City beat United 6-3. There's nothing that I can say more about Erling Haaland that hasn't already been said. So just to run down some sort of stats and some facts for you that you've probably all heard and you will know. He scored his third hat-trick of the season. So it's taken him eight games to score three Premier League hat-tricks. He now has more Premier League hat-tricks than Cristiano Ronaldo, more than Jamie Vardy, and more than a number of other players that have scored a lot of Premier League goals. He now has 14 for the season, which current sort of projection or that trajectory... Oh my God, I can't get my words out. He's now on 14 for the season. So if he carries on at that rate of uh, that he is going at, he will finish this a 38-game season on 66 goals. Now, I don't expect that to happen. However, you can get odds with uh, one of the bookmakers to for him to score over 50 goals and you will get 10 to 1 for those odds. Please gamble responsibly. That's mental that we're even talking or contemplating that a player could score 50 Premier League goals. So it's taken him eight games to score three hat-tricks. The next quickest in Premier League history is Michael Owen on 48. 
I mentioned it, I think, quite earlier. I think it was when Sonny was on that the record is five Premier League hat-tricks in, in a season. I think Shearer did that. I think maybe Harry Kane... I don't know whether Kane's done it as well. I think he might have got four hat-tricks in a season. There's nothing to say that Haaland won't get hat-trick number four and five before the end of the month when you look at their fixtures. And the fact that he can just seemingly score against anyone. You know, I'm saying, oh, you look at the fixtures, he'll definitely score goals. He scored three goals against Manchester United. Now, whatever you think of United, this is a derby game. Yeah, anything can happen in a derby game. We spoke about it last week. But Haaland rocks up, hat-trick, and I think, for me, it was... I think it was the second goal, the one where De Bruyne... The, the pass from De Bruyne was... Oh, it was nothing short of sexual. However, if you watch that goal in slow motion, Haaland's timing of the run, the timing, the the the, the coordination, and 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 to know that I'm going to have to slide for this, and not only does he slide for it. He's not just... Not my microphone there. He's not just sliding in the hope that he gets a toe onto it. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's sliding, he holds his leg in the air, and then at the perfect moment, stabs it home while sliding on his arse. He is, he is an incredible, incredible footballer. And the third goal... His third goal, sorry. Magic. You know, just the build-up play was superb. And the ball into him, you know, it was really, really fizzed into him. And the connection, the connection was just, I've never seen anything like it. I, genu- I genuinely haven't. And when I think about some of the centre forwards that I've watched, the people that play that position, so I'm not talking, you know, the likes of Salah, who are all like, and a Bamiyang, you know, who who have won golden boots, but predominantly they sort of play on the wing and stuff. I'm talking about centre forwards. Shearer, you know, Sheringham, you know, Ferdinand, Kane, all those, you know, uh, Zlatan, Suarez, uh, even Brazilian Ronaldo, who is easily one of my favourite footballers of all time. I don't think I've seen someone hit a ball so clean and with such accuracy. I mean, Van Nistel, I always thought it about Van Nistelrooy. I always thought, like, to be able to hit it with that much power and be that accurate is, that that's that's a gift. And Haaland's got that. He is a magic, magic player. And I know people that are... So Leicester, the, Leicester play Man City in a few weeks. Um at home and I know people that are trying to get tickets purely because they want to watch Haaland and they're Leicester fans and I make no bones about no secret about it the only thing that I'm looking forward to from that match is seeing him play in the flesh because let's face it we aren't going to beat them unless unless actually I've only just thought of this, and I'm keep knocking my microphone. 
And I'm majorly, majorly clutching at straws here. But he had an indifferent debut, didn't he, in the Community Shield. Now, the Community Shield was at the King Power Stadium. So maybe, maybe the ground has got a bit of a hoodoo on him. Maybe I'm just really desperate. Reality is he's going to score six. Well, that could happen. But hey, I can hope, can't I? But honestly, what 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 a player. And he scored two again last night in the Champions League. Got brought off at half-time. Could have had a hat-trick in the first half. Man City's uh, third goal was an own goal. So, and, and he was behind the defender. If the defender hadn't been there, he was going to tap it in. Um, but also, I want to want to mention, actually, with this... Um, with the Manchester derby that obviously Phil Foden also scored a hat-trick so he is the youngest player to get to 50 goals under Pep Guardiola he's actually beat Messi uh, by a few hundred days on that one and Foden again a generational talent absolutely fantastic world-class world-class player again someone who I think can for considering he's not you know he's not the biggest He's not a huge player. He's not. He's certainly not built like a, a Haaland or anything like that. But man, he can hit a ball, and he hits it clean, and he hits it crisp, and he's accurate. Um, he's just. He's a very, very. He's a very special player. Is Phil Foden, um, and Man City, unfortunately, are, are full of very special, very talented players. And I just want to make a quick sort of mention as well that having watched the Manchester derby and having watched most of the game last night against Copenhagen that actually I think Jack Grealish's performances are going a little bit unnoticed now people like to shit on Grealish because he's Jack Grealish you know we look at him and we think he's a bit of a knob isn't he you know look at his hair his socks rolled down you know, and he goes down a bit easy and stuff like that. And then there's been some off-the-field stuff, which obviously I won't go into. And then people have questioned, oh, 100 million, 100 million, look, at, look, he doesn't score, he doesn't assist. For me, what Grealish, Grealish does a hell of a lot that helps that Man City team tick the way they do. Now, come the end of the season, if this carries on, it's all going to be about Haaland, Haaland and Haaland. It's going to be all about him. And De Bruyne will probably get something like 15 assists, so people will be talking about him. And But actually, if you watch what Grealish does for that team, he, you know, he does a lot of the stuff that some of those players don't necessarily want to do, and it frees those players up. Pepper said himself, I didn't buy Grealish for his goals and assists. The price tag is not Grealish's fault. Villa set that price tag thinking that nobody was going to come in for it, and Man City did because they can. So actually, I think I think Grealish is becoming uh, an effective player. For Pep to agree uh, for Sterling to be sold shows for me it shows the trust that he's got in Grealish, and I do think. That he's again, like I say, he's becoming he is becoming an integral part of that team. And he was really unlucky last night not to score. And I thought he had a really, really uh, it went under the radar his performance against United. Now, let's quickly talk about United. 
I thought you, they were they were very poor for twenty minutes. However, Man City are just so so good. They're gonna they're gonna do that to so many teams this season. That actually, I know a lot of United fans who have actually thought, well, do you know what? It's Man City. We can't be too down about it. We can't be too critical. Yes, they were poor, but for me, in in Anthony's goal, it was the best goal of the game by a mile. A really, really good, a really, really good finish. And Anthony Martial came on and scored, and scored a penalty as well. So he got he got two, and he scored again tonight. Uh, United have just beat uh, uh, Armonia Nicosia. Uh, managed by Neil Lennon randomly they've just beat them in the Europa League so look I, I think overall 6-3 makes it look like a lot closer than it actually was because um, you know yeah City City were just outstanding absolutely outstanding and I just for as good as Arsenal are playing this season I, I, and I know that Arsenal are currently top. I don't see. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see who beats Man City, and I don't know how Haaland is stopped unless he's not playing. But obviously, the holy grail for Man City really is is the is the um, the Champions League. That is the one that they want. So and with Haaland they have got possibly the best chance they've ever had because it's not like he's doing it in the Premier League but can't do it in the Champions League because he's now overtaken some incredible names in terms of Champions League goals and he's only 22. And I saw another st- I'm I'm full of Haaland stats because they're everywhere at the minute. At the same age, uh, I think Messi had 50 goals Ronaldo had 43 or it's somewhere in that region Haaland has 175 yeah and Pep mentioned last night as well that the the talk of him having a release clause that could be activated specifically by Real Madrid in two years' time is false and actually there is no release clause for any club in Haaland's contract. And hopefully, you know, I know obviously I support a another Premier League team, but I hope for the sake of English football, I hope he is here for a long time. I really do, because he is so good to watch. Could could go down as the greatest goal scorer ever. But there is a long, a lot of things can happen in the guy's career. A lot of things can happen, and we know this. You know, I, I imagine if social media was around at the time, people would have been saying the same about Michael Owen. By the time he was twenty nine, he was finished. You, you don't hope that for for someone like Harland, but you just never know what's going to happen. But there we go. Um, I just thought I'd, I'd cover the. Uh, the Manchester derby with a bit more detail because yeah it was it was very much a headline grabbing game uh, and United will be fine you know this is a like I say City are going to do this to so many teams following that game we had Leeds versus Villa and actually for a nil-nil it wasn't a bad game to be honest there was a a lot of niggle in that game 
as well. Uh, Leeds had a man sent off, so they did well to, to hold on. Obviously, that's disappointing for Villa to not be able to capitalise on that. Um, and then Monday night, you could probably hear it in my voice. My throat hasn't quite recovered. I've developed a cough because of it. And Leicester finally, finally got their first win of the season, beating Nottingham Forest 4-0. And the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. The the fans were really, really behind, really, really behind the team. I've seen a few people say that the turning point in the match was when Forrest hit the post. I, I don't agree with that. I, uh, Leicester had two, for me, clear-cut chances before that. We were knocking on the door before that chance that, that where, where you know Forrest hit the post. Uh, Dewsbury Hall missed an absolute sitter, in, in my opinion. And a sharper, more informed Jamie Vardy would have put his chance away as well however the difference last night I mean I've spoke obviously about you know my thoughts on Forrest and and you know what what's potentially going wrong there the the big difference on Monday night was James Madison the guy is a magician and he is he is putting in and I know okay it was Nottingham Forest who are, who are now bottom of the Premier League and a newly promoted team. But this form from Madison has been going on for 12 months now and he is putting in world-class performances. I'm not saying he's a world-class player, but he is putting in world-class performances. And again, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with some stats um for you here which this one really it surprised me. All, uh, all things considered. Let me find it. Why can't I? Oh, technology. Okay. So this comes via Jordan Blackwell on Twitter, who is um, a correspondent for, a Leicester City correspondent for Live LCFC. And he has tweeted today that Madison has now made the same number of Leicester City appearances as Riyad Mahrez and has scored two more goals and is only four behind him in terms of assists. That really, really surprised me. So 50 goals and 34 assists from James Madison. Um, Mahrez, 179 appearances, 48 goals, 38 assists. And obviously some of those games were were in the championship as well for... uh, for Riyad Mahrez. So, you know, when you start to look at stats like that, and when you start to look at things like, you know, the the, the only player that's got more goal and assist contribution or goal contributions, as they call it now, since the end of May is obviously Haaland, and then it's Madison. It proves that he is operating at a level that, for me, deserves an England call-up. I mentioned it last week that I'm not necessarily one of those that's desperate for Leicester players to be called up because for me, all it does is it puts those players in the shop window to be bought. Harry Maguire being one of those. Um, you know, he, he goes to the World Cup, has an absolute stormer. All of a sudden, he's worth £80 million. We kept him for a season. He was gone anyway. 
so I'm not, and and obviously with Leicester's injury record, every time I see that Johnny Evans is playing for Northern Ireland, I think, oh god, he's going to get injured. So I don't I don't clamber for Leicester players to be called up for England. I'm not one of those sorts of people. But if a player deserves a call up, he deserves a call up, and it's being talked about everywhere now. Despite the fact that Leicester have been poor this season so far, and they're still in the bottom three, you know, the win on Monday was fantastic. It has lifted us off the bot- bottom, but we are still in the bottom three, and we've still got a, a, a fairly poor uh, goal difference. Obviously, those four goals made up for the four extra goals conceded at, at Spurs. We've got a long way to go to, to rectify some of the other results. But the fact that he's being spoken about in the national media, you know, talk sport, the Monday night football guys were talking about him. Everyone is talking about James Madison. And when you read read stats like that, you know, when when Mares left left Leicester, for me he was I was like he's genuinely a world class player. He is a top he's he's a top four player. You know, he is not um he's good enough to play for Man City. So then when you read Madison's got those similar sort of stats in arguably you know maybe not a worse Leicester team but you know what I'm trying to say he he deserves that England call up I do feel that it is too late I think Southgate is is too far far too set in his ways um but you know this this um I, I just I don't get it I don't get, I don't get um, Southgate's. I don't get Southgate's reasoning really behind it. I said it last week. It was a famous, famously quoted. Now, I pick players when they're on form. Well, why aren't you picking James Madison? It is, it is mental to me. Now, do I think he's better than Foden? No, of course I don't. Do I think he's better than Mount? Oof. There's a debate. There is a debate to be had there. There's got to be room in the squad. I'm not saying that he should start. I don't. I, I'm. I'm not saying he should start. But when there's 20, 20, 25 minutes to go, you know, and and the thing is as well, the confidence that is oozing from the guy at the moment. You know, he gets the ball and he's on the turn and he's off and. He's become one of those players now that when Leicester get a free kick in and around the box, and I, I don't do it myself personally, but you do see it, people have got their phones out because they're expecting something to happen. And obviously the other night he got he got the two goals. I mean, one of them was, was it was heavily deflected. It was going in. Uh, it, well, sorry, it was going on target at least. Uh, but the free kick... To put it on, put it to the, the uh, on the same side that the keeper was technically standing on. Yes, Henderson made the move because he expected it, the ball to be going over the wall. Madison gave him the eyes, pinpoint, hit the post, and the guy is just magic. And then he got the assist for Daka's goal, which was which again was great. So I would like to see Madison get his call up. Uh, it feels very much feels a bit like last year where everyone was clambered like you've 
Southgate's got to start Grealish. He's got to start Grealish. And now it feels like he's got to pick Madison. He's got to take him. So I hope I hope Madison gets the call up that he deserves. If not, he gets a nice break ready for Leicester to push on in that, that kind of second half, second half of the season. It will be difficult for Leicester to keep hold of him in January. I genuinely believe that. But I, unless by some miracle, and it can still happen mathematically, <laughs> but if by some miracle Leicester do get anywhere near Europe, uh, regardless, I, I think he he will find himself at uh, one of the one of the Champions League clubs in the Premier League next season. I think it will be Arsenal. I, I could see him. I could see him at Arsenal uh, doing doing what he does I think he would uh, under under Arteta I think he would really really suit Arsenal uh, and it absolutely pains me to say that but you know anyone any any Leicester fan in their right mind will look at that performance the other night and the way that he's been playing over the last 12 months and just think yeah go on you are you you deserve better than what you're having to put up with at Leicester right now um, and and I thought the, the 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 quotes from from Brendan Rodgers, you know, absolutely spot on. You know, people people look at Madison, the Madison that joined, you know, three four seasons ago when he was twenty one, twenty two, uh, a young lad. You know, flash haircuts, buying you know Gucci bags that were thousands and thousands of pounds, and you know he's covered in you know covered in the sleeve tattoos and you know the fashion tattoos as I call them. Um, <clears throat> he's into his clothes. He loves all that. He loves all that sort of stuff. Them out there clothes uh, that that a lot of the footballers wear, and um, you know, driving the Lamborghini. And look, it, but the you know the reality is, and and actually, not only is he matured off the pitch, you know, he, he seems very settled now. Uh, he's got a a, a one year old son, which is really, which is definitely, you know, it. It's matured him, it seems, but his performances on the pitch uh, are a lot more mature than they were. He doesn't throw himself to the floor like he used to. You know, yeah, he knows when to play for a free kick, but actually, he's just his game is a lot more mature now. He knows when to pass. He knows when to. He doesn't keep hold of the ball for too long now, and yeah, a very, a very special, very talented footballer and. At the age of twenty five, he's still got is he's still got the world at his feet, and let's let's hope that uh, from from my point of view as a Leicester fan, let's hope that you know if he's the difference maker and it keeps us in the league this year, then he absolutely gets my blessing to go to uh, a top four club next season. Uh, just don't score against us. That's all I will say. Uh, so I'm I'm obviously over the moon at Monday's result. The reality kicks in sort of the next day when you think, right, well, this is great. We beat Forest. We're off the bottom. We've got our first win. We've kept a clean sheet. You know, credit to Danny Ward. I thought he had a decent game. Looked nervous at times, but he had a decent game. And the big thing now is that Leicester need to build on this. And they need to get a positive result at the weekend away at Bournemouth. And then we've got Crystal Palace... I believe at home and then I think it's Wolves away which by then I would imagine they would have a new manager 
and then it's Leeds at home. And I, and I feel that I, I I felt before the Forest game, we Leicester needed to win at least three of those and draw the draw two. I didn't really care what order they came in, but the reality is, is I think if Leicester would have drawn on Monday, I think the atmosphere would have turned toxic and I think the pressure would have really been on the owners to get rid of Brendan, but we won. So, look, a, a draw on Saturday, I think, will be fine away at Bournemouth. A win would obviously be better. I know that's a, a stupid thing to say, but we've got that win under our belts now. So let's... Leicester need to just build on this. Let's get some points on the board before we have to play Man City at the end of the month. Or um, yeah, it's the end end of the month, I think. Uh, and then you've got a month then before the season fit the season pauses basically for the World Cup. So um, yeah, next next four games huge. I know it feels like I say that every week. Oh, the next game's huge. The next game's huge. But it is. It it is. And when you look at who we're playing. It's the teams that are sort of in and around there, Wolves and you know Bournemouth being a newly promoted team. Um, I'd like to think we can go there and get something, but we shall see. We shall see. Okay, I've 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 rambled for I feel like far too long there, but let's uh, let's have a look at this weekend's fixtures. Uh, I've gone through gone through the results. I've talked about some newsy sort of stuff. We have had Champions League games. Uh, over the last couple of nights, uh, Chelsea beat AC Milan. That Potter's first win in Europe. That was good. Uh, Spurs drew. So again, you know the pressure—not pressure, for God's sake. Um, people are a bit unhappy there with with Conte and what's going on there. Um, Man City beat uh, beat Copenhagen, uh, and Liverpool uh, beat Rangers as well. Uh, and as I say, Man United have, have just won their Europa League game and Arsenal play about now, actually. So, right, fixtures for this weekend then. So, match week 10. Bournemouth against Leicester City is the 3 o'clock on Saturday and I'm going to go with Leicester. I think it will be a draw, but I want to be positive and I'm going to say a Leicester win. Chelsea Wolves, I don't think Wolves will have a manager in by then. I'm recording now on Thursday, the game's Saturday. So I don't think... Uh, there's, a, there's a good chance that, you know, he'll be there in the stands, uh, Lopetegu. Uh, I think Chelsea will win that one. <laughs> Man City, Southampton. Is it is it too obvious to say that this will be 4 or 5 nil, and Haaland will get a hat-trick? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Man City win on that one. Uh, Newcastle against Brentford. Um, mm, interesting. You've got the you've got the dynamic there of obviously Ivan Tony, a Brentford player, once a Newcastle player, not really given a chance by by Rafa back in the day. I'm gonna go with a Newcastle win though on that one. Brighton Spurs. Now that's an interesting game because Brighton clearly, you know, obviously they lost that Potter went to Chelsea. The new man has come in and what looked like a real difficult task for him on Saturday against Liverpool. He came through, albeit, you know, 3-3 draw. This is a game that... I feel like Spurs really need to win this game. Sounds sounds like a really odd thing to say, but I feel like Spurs really, really need to win this. But I actually see this being a draw. 
So I'm going to go with a draw on that one. Palace leads. Uh, Leeds are starting to get some players back. Bamford came back at the weekend. Cooper was back as well. I do like Palace though. I hate to say it. I think Palace are going to win. Sorry, Sam. I think Palace are going to beat, going to beat Leeds. Uh, so that's on the Sunday. That's the two o'clock kickoff. Uh, another two o'clock game. This is obviously because of European commitments. Uh, we have West Ham versus Fulham. Uh, I'm going to go for a West Ham win. Their home advantage. 4.30. This is the big test for Arsenal. This is where we see what they're made of in terms of them being a real top four contender this season. And they've got a really good chance of beating Liverpool at the weekend. And I think they're going to do it. I think Arsenal are going to beat Liverpool. Let me go and put my neck on the line there on that one. And then Sunday night, we have Everton at home to Manchester United. It's a seven o'clock kickoff. It's on BT Sport on a Sunday night. So we get three games on Sunday for those that uh, are able to, to watch all of them. Ah, oh, tricky one. Uh, United, yeah, I think United will win this one. Uh, I, yeah, United will win this one. And then Forest versus Villa. Ooh. I mean, is this another El Sakiko? Forest lose, I expect Cooper to go, but if Villa were to lose this, Gerard would be under serious, serious pressure. I mean, if I you know, if I was to look at the table, you know, Forest Forest win, they would go on to seven points. Villa would be on eight points. They could really drop down that table. Interesting one. Interesting one. I think for me. Look, I mean, no two ga- you, you, no two games of football are the same, obviously. But after what I saw on Monday, I, I just don't, I don't see Forest aren't a team. They're, they're, well, they're a team of individuals. I said it, I've said it a few times, and I think Villa, Villa will just have enough to to beat them. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with a Villa win on that one. I think that might be the end of, of Steve Cooper. So if we have a, a quick look at the table, because now we're, we're eight games in now, and I feel like that's now's the time to start talking about the table. So Arsenal are top, 21 points. Man City is second on 20. Spurs are actually third, despite you know them kind of flattering to deceive. They're, they're on 17 points. Brighton are still in that top four, followed by Chelsea, followed by Man United. So that makes up your top six. You've then got Newcastle, Fulham, and then Liverpool all the way down in ninth. Uh, but, but I expect them to be up and around that top four. You know, they'll, they'll be absolutely fine. Then we've got uh, Brentford, Everton, Leeds, Bournemouth, Aston Villa, West Ham, Southampton, and then Crystal Palace. But Palace do have a game in hand against quite a few of those teams, as do Leeds, Liverpool, United, and Chelsea and Brighton as well. I guess it's because of all that stuff that happened uh, a couple of weekends back. And then your bottom three is made up of three Midlands teams. So Wolves are on six points. Leicester are on four points, minus eight goal difference. And Forest are bottom of the league, four points, minus 15. A lot of goals conceded there. A lot of goals. 
Um, but it could all change at the weekend. You know, it is still quite tight down at the bottom there. You you just you just never know. I mean, I look at it and and a Leicester win, and they could uh, a decent Leicester win. They could climb up to fifteenth. If they lose and Forest win, we're bottom of the table again. So it's I feel like it's going to be one of those one of those seasons where you, where I'm trying to look at it and think, oh, one win and we we go four places up, but if we lose, we're then six points adrift. So it's going to be an interesting one. That's it for me for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Follow me on Twitter at Added Football. In the bio there is the link tree that will take you to Instagram and to the podcast services where I post the podcast, which is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Obviously, don't forget to follow Games and Graps. And on the Games and Graps feed, we obviously have the Clubhouse. Go and check that out. Another great episode uh, last week from from Sunny uh, Finn killing it with his streams at Finn Steel. No, yeah, at the Finn Steel on Twitter and on Twitch.tv forward slash the Finn Steel. The Games and Grab podcast will be oh, sometime, um, <laughs> and we obviously have the Quick Sell a uh, Foot FIFA podcast coming soon from. Sunny and from Rich as well. My name's Steve. This has been episode 11 of Added Time, and I will speak to you next week. Goodbye.